This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I am here with my new friend, Forrest O'Leary. How's it going today, brother? Hey, what's up, Matt? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Glad to have you, man. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we just met about two weeks ago at a festival called Astronics uh, in Texas. It was really an amazing festival, one of my favorites that I've been to so far. And yeah, it was just kind of, uh, you were part of the camp, you know, I was there with Payson, uh, also known as the Art of Waking Up. And uh, yeah, you were part of the camp and, you know, we got to hang out a little bit and I was just really intrigued by your story and, and the types of things that, that you're interested in and that you're practicing. So I would just love to dive into that and share, share your story with the audience. Yeah, sounds good. I love sharing stories. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to be at Astronics, I think you have to be a particular type of person. I would say someone interested in the spiritual dimension, uh, in maybe psychedelics, um, energy work, chi, all these types of things. Um, where do your interests lie as far as all these topics? Um, what's most interesting to you? in this field and and maybe when did that interest begin <laughs> well i got I, you stop me if i tell too many stories i tell a lot of stories right so um i mean really where it began was uh in my friend's room on the couch like i'd eaten this like shake of mushrooms you know like the bottom of the bag and i was like ah, you know i'll eat the bottom of the bag and i thought it would be just pretty chill it was the opposite of chill I think I was like 18 or 19 at the time. And uh, I found myself like in this really dark hole of um, my own experience where everything was just like, it felt like I was under attack. I was just curled into a ball fetal position. You know, my friends are just trying to enjoy themselves. <laughs> I had two other guys there. Uh, everything they were saying was like in, like it was like getting in me and I had no defenses. And I was just, it was, it was absolute agony and torture. Honestly, it was like really horrible. Uh, it, so in that space, I found something right like i found there was a presence or being or like some kind of consistent voice or something like that that had always been there actually my whole life and so in me trying to find my way out of this intensely agonizing experience i connected with you know whether you like depending on what your worldview is right it could be a personal connection to god it could be my higher self it could be however you might view that thing yeah um but basically it kind of opened my eyes to um something bigger than me that that is kind of like along for the ride and that i could that was my ally right and so yeah. um i felt like that what that's what led me to zen practice and so um i was uh living with my parents at the time early 20s and i i read something it's called a koan right so in zen a koan is a tool that uh, masters use with their students to kind of like break their intellect a little bit so it means like a, it's, it's like a word or a statement that chases its own tail Right. So the most common one that I'm sure you've heard as, as well as everyone else is that what is the sound of one hand clapping? Right. right. And there's a lot of like really stupid responses, right? You could like, <laughs> you know, like, or whatever. Right. Um, it's silence. Right. And so in, in all these Zen stories you read, the master will pose this koan to their student and the student's like, yeah, it's like this. And they'll slap them or something. You know, this is like back in the day, right? They'll like smack them right. with a stick. It's like, go sit, you know, stupid. And uh, mm -hmm. basically that's one tool that the Zen practitioners use in a certain school of Zen to kind of break their thinking mind because there's no intellectual answer to these questions, right? Mm -hmm. I think the one that got me was, uh, what was your face before your parents were born? It's mm. uh, a weird question. Yeah. So it made me have a feeling. Uh, and then from that feeling, I kind of was like, all right, what's this feeling? 
And I ended up going to a Zen temple in the Santa Cruz Mountains called Jikoji, mm. um, Compassion Light Temple, I want to say that's translated to. And um, essentially, I found my teacher there. And, um, you know, I basically went there and the guy who was managing the place was like, yeah, this is what we do. We sit on the mat. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, well, here's a mat, you know, sit on it. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, you're great. You're really good at this. You should come next week. We're doing a four-day retreat. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But he was like, yeah, you're a natural. <laughs> you should, you know, he was like feeding my ego. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're a natural sitting there. Um, right, right. So that's really what started it for me um, was I just got really into Zen practice. It was like something I couldn't avoid uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if I wanted to. And... Um, throughout my twenties. And then later in my life, I found, um, a connection with people in, in the realm that we're in now. So like a spiritual, let's say, yeah. um, maybe not as like based in a tradition, but people who are just feeling things and they want to explore these feelings, whether it's like, you know, with crystals or with, uh, smells or with yoga practices or like whatever, it's like, they find all these things that they're drawn to and they don't know why necessarily, but they just know that it's evoking this feeling with them. Right. And so when I encountered this tribe of people uh, in my early 30s, uh, I was like, what the hell? Like, where did you? Because everyone I've been sitting Zen with, they're mostly boring. Like, sorry, y- y'all, if you practice Zen. Like, if you practice Zen, though, with a group, you know that, like, yeah, you know, they're not, like, necessarily the most, like, energetic, partying. Like, a lot of, a lot of people who practice Zen in that setting, they're very kind of, that's, that's it, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But it wasn't necessarily my... Um, I didn't feel like when I sat Zen with people that I was like, yeah, these are my people, mm. you know? Um, and when I found these other people, I was like, oh my God, these are my people, right? Like I walked wow. into a room, there's a bunch of people with crystals all over the place and they're just like talking about all the stuff. And I was like, mm. what the hell? Mm. And then I qu- pretty quickly discovered there's a big overlap with psychedelics. Um, right. And just like psychedelic use in general, um, there's a, a Zen teacher, his name is uh, Vanya, uh, V-A-N-J-A uh, yeah. Palmer's. And uh, Vanya is in my lineage. He's like uh, my uncle kind of. So like my teacher's teacher mm-hmm. was his teacher also. And so um, I had the chance to sit with, with Vanya and um, it's called Dokusan where, you, where you're in the middle of retreat and you sit face to face with the teacher and yeah. just whatever things come up. And uh, he's, I forget the name of this conference they have in Europe. It's something about psychedelic studies of uh, something. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's a big proponent for LSD and Zen practice, which is super cool when I found that out. Uh, right. But basically, you know, he's like, yeah, this is a great tool that we can use to kind of check in with our practice and see where we're at with things. Yeah. And so when I started taking LSD, I was like, yeah, this is a great tool that I can use to check in with myself and see where I'm at with things. Right. Um, but I can also use all the sitting I've done to kind of add an awareness to what's happening. Um you know, my understanding of psychedelics is such that there's nothing happening in that space that's not already happening all the time. It's just that we're being exposed to different perceptions that we're not usually in, yeah. right? So whatever that psychedelic is, uh, whatever the experience is, that is on some level an experience that you're always having. Yeah. Um, you know, the story might change and you might be evolving through different experiences. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would I would take psychedelics with people and they would we'd be talking about what's coming up and, you know, I'm explaining to people how this is all very normal, you know, <laughs> this is not yeah. normal. And I'm like, no, nah, it's very normal. You know, this is what the experience we're having. is like just, every, just another Tuesday, you know, it's just, okay. uh, that gives you the space to actually work with it rather than be, um, overwhelmed by it and feel like you're, you know, yes. just whatever. Absolutely. I, I definitely get the sense that some filter is being, uh, pulled back or taken mm-hmm. away. And 
that the things that we get to see are, you know, dimensions of things happening in the field of reality and right. not this like mental confusion, like thing going on. Um, you know, which a lot of people that kind of don't understand what psychedelics are doing or have never done them, you know, it's easy. Or they for took them. too little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's easy for them to just, you know, think it's the mind playing tricks on itself. And I think there's, you know, certain things that can happen with certain medicines that is kind of like optical illusion type things, but that's not really why people are doing it. You know, they're not doing it for the optical illusion, they're doing it for the uh, dimension of the spiritual realm that becomes available to them. Yeah. And, and also well, I would say, I would say that's why you and I are probably doing it, but yeah, yeah. Like I've definitely met some people that I think they're, they just love tripping out. That's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. There, there is a recreational aspect to it all, um, that I've, I've, you know, been a part of as well, but uh, you know, more times than not, I take it as like a spiritual practice. Um, yeah, totally. you know, I'm going to be doing yoga. I'm going to be doing breath work. I'm, I'm, I'm putting forethought into this experience beforehand and even preparing days in advance, you know, these yeah. types of things. You're like leveraging the tool, right? Like to, yeah. to further practices and other things. Yeah, 1,000%. 1,000%. Yeah, super um, cool. So how did you, or, you know, why did you feel comfortable trying LSD after this this bad mushroom trip, you know? Like what, what oh, gave you the well, courage after that to mushroom dive back trip. in? After that mushroom trip, I, I then went on to eat a lot more mushrooms. So, mm. uh, you know, um, I mean, there's a, another whole story about that. But basically, I, I got like the universe bestowed on me this huge bag of mushrooms at one point when I was pretty young. And mm -hmm. um, so I ate them. And uh, th that was like, I feel like some kind of initiation I wasn't aware of at the time. To me, I yeah. was just like, yeah, I'm just eating mushrooms. But um Totally. No, I've always really enjoyed psychedelics. Like even when I was like in my previous life, right? Like I, I call it my previous life because I was married with kids and I was like mm -hmm. very much like in the the world society, you know, whatever. Um, sure. Kind of trying to work within the kind confines of a pretty small box. And uh, even in that space, I remember like I found some guy in South America that sold um, dried uh, uh, Peruvian torch chips. Okay. And I forget how I found him because this was like in 2005 or something. And I found him through some somewhere, some site. I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, we just package up these dried Peruvian torch chips and, or San Pedro, whichever one it was. Yeah. And uh, we send them to you and we label it as a uh, incense. And so right. even then it's like I was cool. I ordered those all on my own and, and figured out how to use them. And, mm -hmm. you know, went with my friend on a hike in the Santa Cruz Mountains for eight hours and ate just as much of this stuff as I could stomach and have this whole spiritual experience. And so I, I feel like I've always been really drawn to, um, kind of exploring consciousness and exploring, you know, these medicines, these different substances that, um, people right. have been using for thousands of years, you know, um, I want to like, I want to find out, you know, what's that all about? You know, like mm -hmm. what's, what's there for me? I felt like there was. So um, to me, acid was like the final, Cause this wasn't until really I was in my early thirties that I started like, all right, let's, let's really like dive into acid as a medicine and see what is there for me. But up until then it was definitely, there's always something, you know, whether it was just once or twice a year or, you know, maybe a period of time where I had something that I would use more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, I always felt like it was a, a very healthy um, thing for me that no one around me understood. Like, right. Cause like I said, I hadn't met my tribe then. So in my entire twenties, you know, I, I was very much kind of like f framed by my loved ones or people who knew what was going on as like 
a druggie or like these things that, sure. you know, they, they didn't have the context, right? They didn't have the context where to put me. Hmm. And so to them, I was just kind of crazy and just kind of like, like getting fucked up or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. No, I definitely relate to that a lot. Um, even with people that I knew that used other things like cannabis a lot, they still weren't comfortable with um, psychedelics really. And, and totally. Um, the type of Which things is crazy because cannabis is such a strong psychedelic. <laughs> like, I know it is, it is. <laughs> but it's funny, like the things I would say after these things, you know, like these truths, these self-evident truths that would that would dawn on me about, for example, it's all one. You know, I didn't have any context. I didn't read any spiritual books before I came to that understanding on my own. And when I say it to people, they're just they don't understand what I'm talking about, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so then there's this like rabbit hole of research that has to take place for me to understand, oh, wow, like there are systems of thought that incorporate these ideas and they've been around for, you know, thousands of years. Um, definitely got into the Tao, Tao Te Ching. That's one of my favorite texts and something that we discussed at Astronics um, mm-hmm. just because it, it just rings as truth, you know, like with everything I've experienced with psychedelics and with meditation and with yoga um, and all of these modalities of just bringing the mind to stillness, um, we're able to see that Tao, that unspeakable, like thing that is, you know, like making all of this happen in a sense. And it's just such a, you know, th- th- this sense dawns on you that like it's a miracle that we're here. Like this is such a rare opportunity. Whereas before a lot of these experiences, people take everything for granted. They take their life mm-hmm. for granted. They take their friends, their family, their their skills, their abilities, like their health, everything for granted. And I feel like once you start to see what a rare occasion it is to be an incarnate human being, you start to take those things a little more to the heart, a little more seriously, a little more, uh, yeah, sacredly, you know. There's a, there's a very short story in, in Buddhism about how rare it is to be born or incarnated as a human. And they say it's as rare as a, a thousand-year-old sea turtle coming up for breath uh, for, for oxygen in the middle of the ocean. And when it comes up for oxygen, there's a perfect ring of seaweed around it. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's I the fun one. That. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And th- you, you have these ideas, uh, you know, in, in, that you're able to, um, express, which is why I wanted you on this podcast, because you, you definitely have researched, uh, a ton and come to your own understandings and stuff. Um, but I did want to circle back real quick to how you first got interested in Zen. Um, was it a book or a friend or research or what led you to finding that? I forget what, um, where I saw this koan, but, um, and I forget like the exact, like, I just know that it's related to that mushroom experience where I had that like feeling. Mm-hmm. Cause then when I read that thing online, it was that same feeling where it oh, gave like it gave me the weird like what you know like <laughs> what yeah. is this um like i don't know what this is but i want like what, what is this um mm-hmm. we call it the way seeking mind actually in zen that's what they call it so that very Taoist, right the way seeking mind um but th- there's people right and, and and you may be one of them right and many other people are are these kinds of people that listen to your podcast are probably a lot of these types of people who seek the way yeah. they have an unexplainable desire and urge to like just find out what is this like what is it what is what i don't know like <laughs> that's what i'm trying to find out uh and, and to those of us who know we're like yeah yeah you're like <laughs> you know oh anything i can do to help you know, i'm happy to help but um 
Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, they're just like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. He's weird. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a website. It was like some website that I was on, and I forget why it was in. Um, I had sometime in my youth picked up a book, and it was like this really thin book. Um, and it's like, it reminds me of like in Kung Fu movies, uh, they'll have like that little tiny handbook where, like, I don't know if you've seen Kung Fu Hustle. I, f- I freaking love that movie. I've probably but, seen it once, but I'm, I'm yeah. way more familiar with Kill Bill. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know. If they don't have a small book like this in Kill Bill. But in Kung Fu Hustle, it's like a parody of other Kung Fu movies, right? And this guy as a kid finds this book and it's like the way of the fist or something. It's like, you know, some guy in a back alley sells it to him for like 50 cents or whatever. And he's like, you're the chosen one. And I found some book about Zen that was like that. And it was called like the dark Zen. And it was like the, un, like the Zen they don't want you to know about kind of. And it was sure. like the, the cheat code for Zen. And so I'd always had this idea of Zen as something for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, once I had had that experience and then I was reading about Zen and I read that koan, I, I kind of was like, all right, this is a similar feeling. Like I would love to connect more with that. I just want to know more. And so kind of on a, on a whim, I was like, cool, there's a temple up here in the mountains. Let me go check it out, you know? And right. it just literally, like I said, it just went from, I don't know what this is, to the guy being like, yeah, just show up. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything next week. I guess I could just come and sure. sit for a few days. And after that, it was just uh Well, when you first sat, did you, was you, was your mind able to still, or was it kind of a, a rigorous, you know, training of the mind? Um, or did you catch on pretty quick or did you need training or how, how did it go? I mean, it's not easy, dude. Like it, you know, and so I practice the school of Zen that, that it's my lineage is Soto Zen. So in Soto Zen, we don't use koans. Um, the way that I was taught to practice, um, you know, for anyone who's never meditated at all, usually which like a nice way to start is you count your breath, right? So you can count on, on the in or out or whatever you want to do, but you just practice counting to 10. Mm-hmm. basically and it's really hard to get to 10 without getting distracted and so that's a good way to 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 um develop your i guess focus like your ability to focus your energy i want to say it's called joriki in uh, japanese mm-hmm. um but essentially what it means is like your ability to focus your energy and kind of like stay present sure um but we we don't really do that like we don't really have um a method to it. We, we practice what's called Shikantaza, which is a formless meditation. So, uh, we just sit like literally you just sit and uh, things, right. Uh, your eyes are, um, relaxed. And so, uh, our eyes are actually always open in Zen practice. Um, we don't want to miss anything kind of. And so that's the idea. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, if like close your eyes and then you just kind of like relax them. So they're like three quarters closed and your, your gaze is kind of down like that. And that's kind of the, and you and, and in Soto's, then we sit facing the wall. So basically, there's just like you know, 20 people in this room just sitting there facing the wall for 40 to 50 minutes at a time. And then you get up and you do 10 or 15 minutes walking meditation, which is very, very slow in Soto's. Then, and then we sit again, and it's all by bells, there's no talking. Um, it's a really nice space to practice. Um, mm-hmm. even the way we eat is, is like there's a way that you eat. There's a way that you unfold your bowls and you do all the things and the way that you serve each other. Uh, the, the, the logic or the reasoning behind this is that we want to limit the decision-making that's happening during meditation practice. So mm. you shouldn't really be having to make any decisions about even like, you know, which fork or which, you know, how are you going to do this? How am I going to lay these bowls out? It's like, no, there's a way we do it. Um, right. So you can just keep uh, being present. So obviously that's really challenging. Uh, you daydream a lot. Um, Right. And so my teacher would usually just very gentle guidance. She would say things like, you know, just 
bring your awareness to the palm of your hands or, um, you know, like when you, when you catch yourself daydreaming, the most important part is that when you do that, catch yourself doing that, like you're like, wait, I'm meditating. Like I'm off on this daydream. Just bring yourself back gently. You know, like don't beat yourself up about it. Uh, just notice that that's happening and then come back to the present, come back to your body, come back to your breathing, come back to this moment. And that each time you do that, that's enlightenment that there's no like big thing to seek after. And if people have big experiences and that's super cool, but it's not like we're there to get anything. We're just there to realize the truth that we are already enlightened or that we are already whatever thing that we're looking for. Um, it's already happening. And so, it's really just like trying to quiet everything enough so you can realize like the truth of what's happening. Um, and so we don't even try to quiet our minds. Um, my favorite uh, way to describe this is like, it's like you're in the kitchen, right? And you're like doing stuff in the kitchen and um, your, your door's unlocked. And so you're going to have guests come in. Right. Sure. Um, and, and those guests are your thoughts. They're your daydreams. They're your concerns, like planning, whatever. Uh, you're always going to have guests coming in your kitchen and that's fine. And you want to treat them all with respect and, you know, just like anyone, um, you want to be friendly, but you don't want to serve them tea. Mm -hmm. right? And you want to leave your back door open, right? So they can leave anytime. And that's the idea. And so when these highly unpleasant people arrive, you know, just like very demanding and all these things, uh, that's fine. You know, I'll be like, you know, Hey, it's nice to see you. You know, they're, oh, I want this. And I, it's like, okay, well I'm busy right now. So, uh, I'm going to stay busy and you know, it's still good to see you, but like, I'm not going to serve you tea right now. Cause I'm busy doing my own thing. And so then you're talking about actual leave. people, right? Cause um, at first I thought you were talking almost about the thoughts coming in. Yeah. But, yeah it's, but, it applies to all the, all the above, bro. But, but that's, <laughs> good. that's good though. Cause what I'm hearing is like, this is the way to practice healthy boundaries in a sense. Absolutely. Like watch, you know, come to another festival with me and watch me in a camp. When, when one of those energies shows up, mm -hmm. I'm very pleasant, but I won't serve them. Actually, this happened at astronauts. Uh, there was a, a person that showed up at, uh, when we were all sitting down by Payson's art area. Mm -hmm. And he was very much this energy where he was, he came with this bottle and he's like, you know, and he's like, who, who wants to drink from a bottle? And we're all just chilling. And obviously this guy's looking for something. And so hey, and we're all, no, nah, no, nah, we're good, man. And he's all, ah, and he threw it on the ground and he's all, ah, you know, and he was like being this character. And so, you know, I, I was respectful, but I wasn't really trying to feed him. Um, sure. And, you know, so, but the reasoning behind this though, is when you're sitting, right? Like, this applies in all areas, but when you're sitting or in your life in general, like, you know, there's actually never a time where you need to feed your thoughts, mm -hmm. right? Like we'll have realizations that come out of nowhere. Like, you know, if you want to plan something, then you pick up your notebook and you plan stuff, you know, right. but like the amazing thing about sitting quietly and just like observing my thoughts for so long was that I realized that like nothing good would come from what I like the thoughts I was having. You know, like something's going on in my life that I'm going to go back to in five days and my brain's like, all right, well, you're going to, well, here's that. We're going to think of this. We're going to oh, do this. Oh, here's a new solution. And I basically made an agreement with myself at one point, which is like, yo, bro, like we're not, we're not doing anything right now. Like you can think whatever you want to think, but like, I'm not making plans right now. I'm busy. Yeah. So like we'll deal with that later. <clears throat> that reminds me of something I read in the Bhagavad Gita that said, you know, uh, more or less the master sees inaction in action and action in inaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a sense, like that 
you know, I think what you just said, it kind of encapsulates that idea that sometimes the action is to not act. And that actually gets things done in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like sometimes just being the observer, not reacting, not putting your will into use actually is the correct action. Whereas most people would default to, I need to react, you know, yeah. like, like someone's wanting a reaction from me. Like it's only natural to give it. But as I started reading these spiritual texts, I started to understand that sometimes that there is action in inaction and it's the better action in a sense. And it's a little bit like passive passivity. I think that might be the word. Um, but in the same time, it's holding space. It's not just being passive or just like ignoring it's holding space for something to unfold in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a pretty heady idea, but I've just noticed sometimes like in the situation you were just explaining about the, the guy that was kind of um, <laughs> being a little oppressive, you know, with his, with his communication, it was just like what you said is don't feed it. It's just like, I'm not going to ignore you and like diss you, but I'm also not going to act and give this, this thing that you're clearly wanting. Right. Um, yeah. And that same thing goes with the thoughts where that you could have a thought that, you know, you should do this thing. Sometimes I'm like, well, let me give it some time before I decide to do that. Like I, I see the recommendation coming yeah, from my mental yeah, pattern and I'm not going to jump on it right now. I'm, maybe I'll write it down and I'll see how I feel maybe tomorrow, you know, yeah, yeah. and that always works better than like being that super quick to act thing. Cause you know, in the past I've been that way and, and it didn't always work out great. You know, it's like, man, I really should have like thought about that more before I just acted on it, you know? Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask about, um, your story with the masters and chi and just like really high levels of chi, right? Like people can yeah. cultivate these almost superhuman powers with enough kind of practice. Um, and you had some really interesting stories about that. And I believe how, how you brought it up was you talked about hard parts in the body versus soft parts in the body. Yeah. Right. So maybe can yeah. you, can you bring the podcast listeners on that tale that you had, that you had, um, I mean, I've just consistently been shown in my life that what I thought was true was the opposite. Usually, you know, like whatever I grew up thinking was one way, it's another. And, um, what we were talking about is that, you know, when you, when we're growing up, at least in the society or culture I was growing up in is that like big, strong men, right? Like you think of like someone with big muscles, yeah. um, and that we equate strength to muscles. Um, essentially that's it. Right. So, oh, that's actually, um, it's so interesting to me because in reality, so obviously that's not the case. Right. So even with like the, the hardest muscles, um, I mean, they're still soft, right? Like you can work really hard on your muscles and make them firmer. And you, I would say there's some people with rock hard muscles, right? But it's soft, but it's soft tissue by its nature. Mm -hmm. um, but like our, te our tendons and our ligaments, right? Like you can like flex your, your elbow and feel this right there. Right. It's, hard. it's hard. Like a rock, dude. Like that's right. like, like actually hard. Totally. And so, okay. So wait, so muscles are soft. And then this internal system I have is actually the hard part. Mm -hmm. And so that for me was really like game changing where, um, yeah, it's just so cool to be told that, um, 
Right. So yeah, that's how we kind of got into it. So I was at um, Lightning in a Bottle. It's a big festival in California, like 30, 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. I want to say this is like 2016. <clears throat> and um, at the time, I was really into essential oils. I was um, working with my friend, Dr. Nick of Essential Oil Wizardry. And, uh, we do, we're doing a lot of like meditations around the seven chakras, right? So, um, specifically the root, the heart, the third eye were like my go-to just like, I love smelling the oils and like channeling or whatever, like those, you know, bringing people into that space, you know? So if we do a root meditation, it's like my favorite thing ever because literally take people back to their birth, uh, back in the womb and then like rebirth into the world, uh, with the different perspective of more mature evolved perspective than when we have when we're babies, um, which is super helpful. And so there was a girl or a young woman, I should say, um, on this dance floor, like kind of off to the side of the dance floor. And she was having like a whole ass experience. I don't know what Mm. all things she had taken, but obviously she was just like looped out. And, Mm. um, so I was like dancing with her and her partner, whoever the guy was. And eventually it just was like, all right, like, I just want to share this with you. I was like, cool, let me pull out some oil, some root chakra oil. I was like, why don't you smell it? Cool. Like, can I do a little, like, you know, can I talk about it a little bit? She's like, yeah. Okay, cool. So the three of us are there. I'm just talking about the womb and I'm talking about being birthed in the world and how bright it is. And you know, how essentially the, the, the short version of the meditation is essentially your, your, we want to translate the heartbeat of our mother in the womb to the heartbeat of our mother, the earth which is a different heartbeat, but it's still a cycle. It's still the, her heart's still beating. Our mother is still supporting us. Like we're still essentially in the womb. It's just a bigger, more open space womb. Um, yeah, but we're being provided for and, um, we can still hear her heartbeat if we, uh, choose to do so. And it's really grounding and it's really nice and supportive feeling. And it like makes me want to cry. So uh, I love that. And so I'm, I'm doing this meditation with this young woman and I can see in the corner of my eye, there's a guy over here, um, like listening, right. He's like, just observe, I can feel him observing us. And so, uh, I, I'd like to say focus on what I'm doing, but afterwards I wanted to go talk to him and he wanted to talk to me. And so we kind of got together and he's like, Hey, you know, I heard, uh, what you're doing. That's super cool. Um, I want to share with you my practice and kind of like, what came up for me when I'm hearing you talk about root meditation. And so he basically started his like, whatever this is one one with kind of what I was talking about, the muscles and the tendons, and ligaments and stuff. Right. Sure, so he's sure. like explaining to me, like, this is soft, this is hard. And so you can actually practice, um, in your, bu- in your body. Um, and he showed me something called, I think it's called like a tree pose in Tai Chi. Okay. Um, but it's something like this, right? And so essentially, like, you have everything's rounded. And so everything's rounded here. And he said, if it's not rounded, like, sometimes you might get it stuck in, like, an, an angle. And so uh, to make a circle, and then it'll basically anywhere where you feel the energy getting stuck, you, like, make a circle with it and make it round. And so you want everything to be able to flow. And so doing that pose, and then you just kind of, like, I don't know, like, kind of flex or, like, you know, like I, like I showed you, where you just kind of engage that system and you can feel it like in your fingers, like all throughout your body, your elbows and anywhere where that's uh, not rounded, you'll actually feel it get stuck. And so like if you kink your arm and you try to flex it, you can feel it get stuck there. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, that's the basic practice of it. And then wow. you can actually do that standing up with your whole body and you can engage uh, like your entire system that way. Right. So it's, it's like 
I'm like starting to sweat just doing it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you do it with your whole body, it's a, it's like a whole ass experience. And at the beginning it feels like, uh, you know, sucking through like a really tiny straw, right? It's like this very thin kind of like it's on or off. There's not a lot of like uh, wavelength to it. It's just you're doing it or you're not. Um, but basically what he showed me is that you can practice that. And then when that system is engaged, you can actually like as it's all engaged, turn it. And so you can actually rotate everything uh, towards like the center. Mm-hmm. So including like your feet, your legs, your hips, everything, it all comes in the center. And when you do that, your energy is actually going down. It's actually going into the earth. And so he's explained to me basically like, Hey, I like your root meditation. Let me show you the physical manifestation of what you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. how you can actually physically engage your system, bring all that energy in, channel it all down in the earth and ground out. Or if you want to pull energy up from the earth, you just do the same thing and you open everything back up while it's engaged. And now you're pulling energy up from the earth. And I was like, this is amazing, you know, blown away. Um, And this guy's like Bruce Lee body, dude. Like he's just like fucking like yoked in that way where, you know, I'm like, bro, you need to eat. But also like you look (laughs) like, you know, you look like you could just like jump like 20 feet in the air. You know what I mean? Like he's just like that guy. Um, I should have, but I didn't think to like go look up his name before we talked. I have it somewhere, so I can always give you the names of these people if you would be interested in. Um, sure, because they're real people that actually like, yeah, you know, practiced and did stuff. So oh, I'm just yeah. this innocent bystander. Um, but but I was like so I felt so blessed. I felt so nice. It was so nice. Like it's one of my favorite things about going to festivals or life in general is that. Um, we get these encounters with these people that have these practices and, and, and businesses and, and, and like studies and, and they've like gone to the farthest reaches and plucked this like delicious gem, like fruit thing. And they offer it to us to eat. Right. And like, I don't have time for that, dude. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I can't practice Tai Chi for 20 years. It's like, I could now maybe, but it's like, I hadn't uh, until that point. And so, uh, being able to receive knowledge and wisdom like that is just so amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I did incorporate that into my practice a little bit and, um, yeah, occasionally it, would, you know, it reminds me a bit of the bandhas in yoga. There are these locks. One is called the root lock, which is pretty much, you know, squeezing the Kegel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, a lock just above that where you tuck the navel in and up. And then another lock where you bring the chin slightly down and inward. And as you do all three of those, um, it aligns the central channel, which they say the the Kundalini um, becomes active um, when the central channel is is open. What's that called? Um, It's called the bandhas, like B-H-A-N-D-A-S, bandhas. Sweet. And it's, yeah, it's very similar to that. Um, Honestly, there's so much of this stuff that if people know about this a little bit, like if people practice Tai Chi, they'll be like, yeah, 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 I know about this. You know, like this is like literally one-on-one stuff. But for me at the time, I was blown away. And I just saw like so much behind it um, Mm -hmm. where, but it was just the taste, right? It was just like the beginning for me. Um, But I have, but I have practices, right? Like I have uh, like body movement practices because the coolest thing that he told me wasn't like about like, okay, my idea of soft and hard is different. It was like what he practices where he's saying that once you practice enough, that uh, engagement of energy turns into like from a thin straw to like this gushing river where you can, there's a range that you can open and close it. And so it becomes a, 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 like this wide range of, um, 
energetic flow. And that what he'll do is he'll meditate and he'll feel like whatever you want to call that come into a certain part of his body and he'll be able to receive a feeling through a vibration in his body at a certain point. Yeah. Right. So like you have to practice to get to a point where you have the ability to like, um, isolate and like allow something to kind of vibrate you like that. But yeah. basically like he's receiving information from right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Question yeah, mark? yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah, exactly. Like whatever you want to call that. Um, and then he's able to like physically manifest it in his body and, and kind of like play with it a little bit. And that, that to me, I was like, ah, oh, it's pretty cool, dude. Like, mm -hmm. all right, you got me. Well, it is cool, you know, and, and think of the Kill Bill guy with the long white hair, the long white beard, who, yeah, who, who has so some type of supernatural ability with their body to either, either balance or have super strength from like a, a small, like, you, you know, like she, she, I think he taught, um, Beatrice and, and Kill Bill had to like punch with just like this much, right. you know, room to punch, you know, literally right. like four fingers worth of room and you can break some stuff. The great coffin you, escape, dude. It's yeah. Such, it's such yeah, a good like, movie, bro. Once you learn how to channel the chi uh, so directly and cultivate it and use whatever practices that, that more or less like these, you know, near superhuman abilities can unlock and... Mm -hmm. Um, most people won't ever believe that, but you know, with the things that I've seen with psychedelics and with spiritual practice and with yoga, um, it does start to open up that idea of, Hmm, is this, could this actually happen? Another example is a uh, Shakti pot, which is like where a yoga master can like literally touch someone like on their third eye and they would have like a spiritual awakening, like just through touch. You know, like just because someone has cultivated all this energy, they can touch you and send your nervous system into a psychedelic state. Yeah. Um, those types of things, you know, are rare. I feel like there's maybe only, if I had to guess, a thousand people on the planet, which is like less than 1%, you know, it's probably wanna, less than a percent of a percent. I want to try it, dude. I yeah. Wanna, I want to get there this fun. But there is that rare occasion where you meet someone who's able to do that. Um, and I remember... I think, I, so honestly, I think it has more to do with the recipient than the the, the person That's giving it. Yeah, yeah. What, you, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, you remind me of my, a friend of mine who had like a full psychedelic break one time when I was talking to him. Um, mm -hmm. He'd been sober for a while. We met this night and I was pretty high at the time. So... Mm -hmm. This is just something I, I've observed for myself, and I, you know, I think like to any like anything, I think everyone is doing this all the time. Uh, it just may not be as like prominent, mm -hmm. um, but I can I can like. There's been times when I've been like on a pretty good like psychedelic journey, and um, someone's been totally sober, and I'll take them with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a time I met my buddy Robbie at uh, one of our local like little flow events and. I was definitely like really in a, a, a pretty good like medicine state. And as I, I was talking to him about this woman that walked by us uh, and I was crying, I was very emotional mm -hmm. because of how she was treated. She was like a, a, a street lady, right? She like lived on the street mm -hmm. and she walked by this back alleyway where we we're spinning fire and partying all stuff. And like no one paid any attention to her and I was spinning fire at the time. And so I'd like, like basically I like was like here take my props and i like ran after her and her shopping cart and told her like how much i appreciated her and she could hang out if she wanted to and she should 
get some water and she was like no you know thanks for coming saying hi but I, I you know she's like i've been watching you guys spin fire on the beach for years and you know i saw this happen and i was like dude she's like this weird archetype like like super magical like i have so much love for people who live on the streets because they're unsheltered and i appreciate them so much and and the yeah. fact that nobody like not only did they not like acknowledge her but like they acknowledged her through their discomfort they're like uncomfortable about her presence and so i, I broke down super upset went to run to talk to her and i was telling my buddy robbie who i just met like how upset i was mm-hmm. that like we're here celebrating what like if you don't have the ability to like take like see someone like that and like sh- give them shelter then what you're doing is not worth anything mm-hmm. like i was just so upset and as i'm talking to him i see i see him he's all like this he's all <laughs> because he's been sober for like a while and he and he's he describes this to me a little bit later as like basically like it was me and then all around me was like full dmt trip just like mm-hmm. like melting everything golden staircases just like you know like um and so yeah dude the finger touch absolutely i think that's possible you know like uh, but in my experience it's it has a lot more to do with the receiver than the person because like you know i could be capable of so much with someone but um if that person never shows up then and like you know what i mean like it's only to to it it's only to the level that someone's open which is why we had such a great conversation right like we immediately start talking and i'm like telling you all this stuff and you're like what the fuck are you talking about and i was like bro (laughs) i love this right now because it's not that often that i get to talk to someone this openly because it has nothing to do with me Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'm an open book. Like I love sharing stories and talking about really awesome things like this, but yeah. it's rare that I get to meet someone where I'm like, Ooh, all this stuff is coming out. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. So yeah, but the finger touch, dude, like I'm about it. Yeah. I would agree that it's, it's, it's either a two way thing or maybe the, the receiver is especially interested in, in an activation. Um, yeah. and it does remind me of this, uh, documentary I saw about, uh, sadhus, um, particularly, uh, Aghori sadhus. Um, they're Indian holy men who live in grave, the graveyard pretty much. Yeah. And they try to be as close to death as possible. So cool. Um, they eat and drink out of a human skull, okay. uh, that, you know, they, they will eat, they're literally cannibals. They will eat a dead body. Uh, it's it's pretty intense stuff. Okay. Um, but to, to get initiated into... They really went there, didn't they? They really did. They really <laughs> um, To get initiated into that, there is like a, a practice where... I don't, I don't know the full practice. Um, the documentary explains it pretty well. But I'm just going to say it's something along the lines of fasting and praying and chanting and, and waiting for... Uh, the master to initiate you and then eventually the master says you know you're ready Mm -hmm. and then the guy just has like a convulsing awakening experience because the master said he's ready and it all happens because of the preparation but also like the the desire the spiritual thirst of that uh agori to to be initiated finally and you just see this spiritual awakening happening to this guy and it's just so intense and you know part of me is a little like damn i want to experience what he's experiencing but i also know i'm i'm not as disciplined i'm not as <laughs> gun-ho to get rid of all my belongings and live with a loincloth and start eating and drinking out of a human skull like i'm not ready for that but i am on this level interested in what's possible sober spiritually because I know I can get into these states with a medicine where it's yeah. like 
God's, you know, like glory is raining down and tears of joy are coming and, and all these things. And, but like these guys get in, into those states completely sober and it's just an interesting thing. And you know, like what the conversation well, we were they, having do they were, though, right? Are they sober? Right. Like, well, I guess it's not sober it? anymore because they've fasted and all this and that. Exactly. But, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stories in Zen too about that. Right. Like there's a, I forget his name. There's a Vietnamese teacher. It's not a Thich Nhat Hanh, but there's another one who went in the jungle for some experience and got sick and, you know, came back and he was all, I fucking found it, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, even the Buddha's own story, right. It has to do with him being on the verge of death basically until he's offered a little bit of rice and he's all right, fucking let's go to battle. Um, but yeah, most of the stories involve some kind of like extreme, like I, I, I don't, I, I would say that, like sobriety is a hard thing to define, right? Like sober from substances. Sure. But like not at some, like there has to be some fucking pressure. Like there has to be something happening that's put like driving you to some, like you, you got to break at some point, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta kill yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like in some way you have to leave behind the old you, you have to kill him off mm-hmm. uh, to, to learn anything new. Right. So it could be, um, in very small doses, like what my teacher taught, right? Like just little bits of like just coming back and very gentle, or it could be just like, I don't know, you fucking puddled yourself with like a hundred hits of acid and like, you know what I mean? Uh, to starving yourself right in the graveyard. Right. Like, I don't know that there's much difference. Um, but I do resonate with what you're saying about, um, free from substances, right? Like that idea of like, all right, because especially in our community, right? Like in the spiritual, like festival community and stuff, there's definitely, yeah. I would say an overemphasis on having peak spiritual experiences with substances. Right. And in my understanding of things, just from my own observations and studying other cultures, um, those substances are not meant for most people. They're meant for a very few minority who then share the experience with those around them. Right. Right. So just like we're talking about, like one person is the channel for the medicine and for all these other people who really shouldn't be taking all that stuff because mm-hmm. they're not built for it. And that's fine. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And another thing that, that comes up, though, in line of all of this um, dialogue is that it's either that all these mystical traditions and all this sacred artwork and the Thangka paintings and like all of this stuff was psychedelically inspired or they've found it without psychedelics somehow or another. They've found mm-hmm. the ability to travel the astral, to see the elements flowing through their bodies, to get these energy vortex visions and the nadis and the chakras and outline it all and map it out. It's either like psychedelics were the catalyst and, yeah. um, or like it's possible without them. You know, I mean, my gut tells me that we've been taking stuff for a long time, bro. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I mean, going back to Amanitas and like the reindeer and all the, you know, all the different stories about, I mean, you can, I mean, the stoned ape theory, right? Like all these different theories about all the different things humans have eaten over the years uh, to achieve. Yeah. Like there's definitely going to be people that have these like very out there experiences, but I would say they're most of the exception. I imagine it's a lot like it is today that you have a few people that are sober and like barely able to function in reality that we all share consensual reality, but they're connected to something else where they're like pretty dysfunctional in society. And like, 
it's too bad we don't have a place for them. Um, but for the most part, a lot of us eat different kinds of things to induce different kinds of visions and experiences to get closer to God or what, you know, whatever you want to call that for yourself. Right. Um, I imagine it's always been that, like that, you know, I imagine yeah. that, you know, people were tripping out, eating yeah. stuff and painting on caves. And stuff, totally. you know, like. <laughs> so I do think, you know, that is a, a large amount of it. But one thing that also comes up in me is that so many of these things were psychedelically inspired, but unknown to the user that it was psychedelically inspired. Oh, meaning, that's interesting. Meaning someone gave them a bowl of mushroom soup. They didn't ask, is, are these psychedelic mushrooms? They don't even know about the existence of psychedelic mushrooms. They yeah. just think, thank you. Eat them. Great. That was a great meal. Two hours later, it's like yeah. God came to me last night. Yeah. He literally came to me. And then they go and make a religion or something along the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, I think it's funny you say mushrooms. I've always said like about mushrooms that they, they have a really special feature, which is mushrooms are the best at making you forgot you take them. Mm-hmm. Like uh, every other thing I've ever taken, I'm like, no, I, like I know what's happening. Like I took this thing. But mushrooms, I'll be like three hours into it. Like I'm like, what is happening? Sure. On the high They're- doses, I, I've been there. And I don't do a lot of high dose mushroom trips because I have such respect for the power that I'll I'll t- taper it down and, and still get quite a, enough out of it. Um, but another example is ergot, which is LSA, which grows right. on rye. Well, you the know, with trials, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but that as well as just the odd case of this is our crop. We're gonna eat this bread. Like literally, we don't have any more bread to make. So I don't care about this little black stuff on it we're going to eat this bread. We're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and what's I mean, what do you think? Is, like Joan of Arc or something like all kind of stuff, like uh, so many mystical traditions that what was it called? The Eleusinian mysteries was a, was an air got wine. Um, so once they found out, they, they were able to then, Ooh, like make sure you get that black stuff off. Black stuff on that bread, scrape some off for me. You know right. Saying? Exactly. But before they knew that it's just, nah, it's just a little bug, you know, like it's whatever. And then, you eat it, and because LSD and LSA and even mushrooms take one hour or more to kick in, LSD sometimes two hours, oddly. Um, right. y- you you fully disconnect from like the fact that you ate two hours ago, yeah. And then the effect starts coming on, and yeah, to speak to the Salem ideas, like these dudes are looking out their window, and the fucking world is shifting, and they see a woman in the street, and she's all contorting, and and he's hallucinating that she's like turning into a beast. Or right. something along those lines, because certainly you can get weird, strange contortions with these medicines. Um, and then he's like blaming her. She put a spell on me. Like she, she, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. cursed me. She hexed she me. She literally turned into a fucking demon in front of my yeah, eyes, bro. Exactly, exactly. And so then they run to the church and then tell them, and because they're well respected in the church, everyone believes them. And right. he wouldn't lie, and but he doesn't even right. know that he had eaten something that caused all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, they did not have. Arrowhead back then. Right. Like, there's no trip reports for them to, to look up. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's crazy. So, anything else that comes up for you to share um, about your, your your experiences, what you're interested in, that something maybe you would like to keep studying or, or getting better at or sharing with with uh, the, the listeners here? Yeah. Did you want to go back to the um, the rest of the Tai Chi story, or are you, oh, are you saving please, that? Please. Please. 
so that was, I want to say 2016 that I had that first introduction into hard and soft, like yin and yang and like the reality in which I'm living in rather than what I just thought and was told. Um, and so I incorporated that into my practice a little bit. Like I, I flow, I spin fire, I do things right. Um, Mm -hmm. and part of that was like, all right, cool. Like now I'm aware like of this, like manipulation I can do and this practice I can have. And so I'd practice it from time to time. I could feel it getting like, the cool thing is when you engage everything like that and then you relax it all of a sudden, it's like this, um, I don't know, like it turns into this like power almost. It's like a whole different way of moving and like. It opened my eyes to like dance dancing too, where I would yeah. see people dance and I'd be like, wow, they're naturals at this this movement. Like yeah. you know, able to spin on their their toe, right? And these different things that I would watch people do. I'm like, okay, they're only doing that because they know how to use this energy. They may never have even been taught that, but like obviously they're in it. Um and so it was a part of my you know, it wasn't like, oh my god, I'm this is all I'm doing, but it was certainly part of my um you know, it was a story I would tell. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to I want to say like maybe three or four years later and I'm in uh, LA and outside of LA, there's a a full moon gathering that's been happening for 30 plus years. Um, I'm not supposed to talk about it. So out of respect for that, I won't say much more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's dope and uh, (laughs) (laughs) invite only. So if you want to go, let me know next time we're in LA, we can all go. Um, But yeah, Anyway, I probably said too much already. So anyway, at this uh, at this place in the desert, uh, it's basically from moonrise to moonset. And uh, during the nighttime, I watched this guy uh, doing this like kind of practice with other people. And so there's like uh, one person facing the other person, and they're kind of like uh, touching each other in this way, and they're kind of like like it's like combative a little bit, but but gentle, where they're like kind of pushing each other over and stuff. And I was like, oh, it looks really fun. It looks super cool. And later find out it's called push hands and they're just doing like this one style of push hands like energy sparring yeah yeah yeah. and, and there's like it's like you know there's levels of this too like you can look up videos of like sport push hands and it's like way different than what i'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, but essentially the goal is to like in the sport version the goal is to knock the person over or like make them lose your balance I would say in my version or the way that at least I thought I was taught is more to uncover where our resistances are and to help our partner uncover where their resistances are. And so like if you and me, Matt, next time we get together, we do all push hands. I bet that with enough time, I can find not only your resistance, but we could probably figure out what that resistance actually is in your life. Like mm-hmm. how it shows up when your relationships or your emotions or whatever, maybe a previous trauma, like everything in your body is linked to something that, something right sure. um unless i can't find one then you're good <laughs> like yeah. i um, probably have one doubtful um so anyway so i'm watching this guy do this thing i'm like wow it looks super cool so i want i go up there and i'm like hey man what are you guys doing he kind of tells me he's like yeah i practice tai chi in la like we're doing push hands you know do you want to play and i was like yeah this looks fun let me play mm-hmm. and so he shows me how to do it you know essentially you have one arm out like this and the other arm is like this and so it's mirrored on the other side so his hands on my elbow and our wrists are wrist to wrist right here okay and so we're like this and we go around a few times and then it's like, all right, I'm going to push you over. Right. right. Um, and so we do it a few times. And he pushes me over a couple times and he's like, he's like, oh, you know, like, cause I told him I've never done this and I don't practice Tai Chi or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, so he's trying to tell me like, you know, well, you just need to loosen up. And I'm like, da, 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 da. like, don't, don't talk to me. Just like, let's, <laughs> let's go again. Like, sure. let, I'm just getting warmed up. Like, and so we go again and I'm like starting to feel a little bit. And so this time I push him over and he's like, Oh, okay, cool. Like beginner's luck kind of thing. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I practiced this and I was like, cool. I don't. So let's do it again. So we do it again. 
And this time I'm like really feeling it. So I'm like, all right, let me fuck, let me, let me fuck around and find out right now. And so he like comes in and I pop this time and I engage everything. And he kind of like flies away from me and he looks at me and he's like, what the fuck dude? Like, yeah, he's like, all right, first of all, I'm done. And second of all, uh, I want you to meet my teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, the first guy's name was Matthew. All right. So the, that first guy I talked to, his name is Matthew, mm-hmm. um, at lighting a ball. Right. So, okay. So anyway, so this guy's like, I want you to meet my teacher. Uh, he's in the car right now sleeping or whatever, but he'll be back in the morning. I was like, sweet. So morning comes around and the guy's like, Oh my, I'm going to like, my teacher is awake. Let me go get him." And so I see this guy like walk out of the parking lot and he's like, I don't know how to describe him. Like, like, I mean, for, for no, like just for description purposes, like really fruity and like, kind of like flamboyant looking like <laughs> older Asian dude where he's like walking out of the parking lot and he's like, you know, like he's just like walking like this. Like he's just like super soft, you know what I mean? Like, oh, and like, he's made of like, like something gummy, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's just like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so he's like, Hey, you know, whatever. So we're doing some stuff and he's like, all right. Yeah. You want to do some push hands with me? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we go into it. And I'm like, and that's why I think what I told you at the festival, right? It's like, as we're sitting there and like just holding each other, he's like, yep, anytime you're ready. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, just holding my space and I can feel there's like, at the point of contact in our wrists, there's like this, like, the, it's almost like we have these two little bugs in our wrists and we're just like trying to find just without moving. I, we can already tell there's like, like we're trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing a lot and we're, we're just standing there. Like to anyone who's watching, we're just standing there just yeah. like this. But in my mind and my body, I'm like, I'm, I'm engaged. Dude. I'm so fucking engaged right now. I'm like in such mm-hmm. a cool battle. I'm just like, Oh my God. Um, and I swear it reminded me of like anime or whatever, where like the rocks and the dirt start rising up from the ground. I'm just like, Oh my God, this right. is so cool. Right. And so we start playing and, uh, it was really energetic and a lot of fun and really challenging. And he was like, wow, that was really impressive. Actually. Like, you know, I exerted like 70%, maybe even up to 80. And I was like, wow, like that's amazing. Like I felt so, uh, mm-hmm. I felt so good about that, you know, cause I mean, he definitely like, there's no way I had anything on him, but like I was in my flow, I was feeling really good. And so I was like, yes, like awesome. That's cool. And so uh, he was like, cool. So um, you said you don't practice Tai Chi. So like, what do you do? Right. And I told him, well, like I have this flow practice and I do these kind of exercises and, you know, I pray like this and I do all this stuff. Right. He's like, okay, what else? And I was like, well, I did learn like related to what we're doing. I did learn this thing like at a festival years ago. And I told him that story that I told you earlier where, you know, this and you engage it and you can turn it and whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Was that Matthew? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, yeah, that was Matthew. He's like, yeah, Matthew's a student of mine. Wow. And I was like, what? I am in a movie. This yeah. is so cool. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the guy that taught me uh, originally, uh, basically, I went off and practiced on my own. And then um, in, in heavy quotation marks, coincidentally, I found his uh, teacher uh, who then was like, you know, verified that I'm on the, some kind of path. Right. Um, right. And that I was proceeding along this path in a way that I should be, uh, maybe not proud of, but like that my efforts are going towards the right place. Right. That's basically the reflection I'm getting is like, Hey man, like this is good for you and you should uh, probably keep doing it. Right. 
Um, but the coolest part, and I think the part that I really got you with was mm-hmm. where, um, he was like, cool. So I was, he, I was like, I, I was like in with him. I felt like I was in, he was like, cool. You're in, you're in the club. I want to show you something. And I was like, yes, like, yeah. you know, show me. So he's like, all right, put your hand on my shoulder. So I put my hand on his shoulder and he's all not that hard. And I'm like, what? And so he lifts my hand up. So my, my palm is just like very lightly resting. Like right. you could have put a piece of paper in between it, right? Like yeah. very, very lightly resting. Cause he had moved it there. And so yeah. just barely touching his shoulder. And so he stands there and he looks at me and he kind of just like, goes like this. And then I, I like watched peripherally him like move his foot and like saw his foot up his leg through his body until it got to his shoulder. And he was all like that. And when his shoulder moved like the barely at all, it felt like he had taken a steel rod and just like smacked my hand with it so hard where my hand hurt. Right. And I was barely touching him. Right. And he was all, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, I was like, what dude? That's right. like literally out of a movie. Like exactly. I didn't, that's like uh, crouching tiger shit. Like what is yeah. happening? And yeah. he was just all, he literally, he made this face. He was all, he's all, that's right, dude. He's all, that's right. I was all, God damn, bro. That's amazing. And so that changed everything for me, dude. Like now when I, when I look at martial arts and I watch people who practiced, um, there's definitely like two very distinct aspects to it for me. One is kicking, punching, learning moves, like body muscles, physical, physicality, all that. And then the other part is what people refer to as like the mystery school. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's a lot of mystery schools out there. Like you can sign up for a mystery school, but the mysteries are only available to those who are open to them. Like, I can't tell you anything that's a secret because if it's a secret, you won't be able to hear me. Right. So when you're like, wow, this is really cool. You talk about all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter who I tell anyone who listens to this podcast, who's not meant to know about this, actually, like what we're really talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't know what we're talking about. Like right. they just won't receive it. I could say anything I could, you know, they, uh, they won't hear me. Um, but, but when I have gone like since then and practiced Tai Chi or like tried to join groups and stuff, I watch these guys and I'm like, dude, you went to China for what? Like, you know, you don't even know what you're doing. Right. Like, and I'll ask them questions and like, try to see, like, do you know what, what's actually happening? Like, cause you could practice for 10,000 years the way that you're going and I could practice for a year with what I learned and you, you would like, you would need another hundred thousand years to get close to me. Like that's, that's why like that phrase comes up in martial arts movies or, or anime or whatever, like come back in 10,000 years dude. Cause like you're, you're not even on the same level. Like you're not even aware of like what's actually happening. Cause it's the internal energy movement. That's actually not only controlling like all the power in your body, mm-hmm. um, but the space around you where then you start to get into the really weird stuff where, um, with mastery over self comes mastery over others who are not aware of what's happening. So if you have people that aren't aware of these energies at all, you can actually move them. And I've heard stories about people who can actually like puppet people using the similar practice. And to me, I'm like, ah, that seems pretty fucking real and slightly terrifying, but, um, Mm -hmm. I'm open to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is super cool. Absolutely. It's, that's super interesting. And and it's along the lines of what we had kind of laid the foundation with like Shakti pod and, chi and these types of like spiritual energies that um once you've cultivated your ability to to hold um can affect others and so Mm -hmm. you know just to recap the dude somehow brought some energy up is it from his foot so i think maybe maybe he brought it up from earth 
or like what do, what would your guess be that how so like in, to, in, i mean in my power. practice right it's like if, if i can do that stuff it's like i i think just the evolved or more practiced version is being able to like gather it and then transfer it through your body and so the farthest point of transfer from your shoulder would be the probably your opposite foot or maybe the same side foot mm-hmm. um just to generate as much power as possible so whether it came from the earth or not like and even i don't know enough like i haven't had the direct experience of like the energy coming from the earth or not like it's i'm not maybe powerful or practiced enough to like have felt it go into the earth or come out of the earth mm-hmm. i just like that idea yeah. um and i and i i want to believe that's true and i i believe matthew and he was telling me um but in my witness of him generating energy i can very much see if i practiced this a lot where you can get a freaking ball going and you can just like send it you know mm-hmm. um yeah. but i think it's like it's measurable you know it's physical it's not like woo woo um yeah. I, I if yeah. i hadn't felt it myself um i might think that it was like a uh, a convinced experience like you know you were convinced of something that happened that didn't actually sure, happen sure. something like that but right i can well, deny it you know it's in the same realm as uh what people would say is the kundalini ascending the spine you know this very mystical kind of like not physical thing happening but it turns physical when it happens to you i've certainly felt kundalini energy you know like kundalini energy to me uh will create automatic movement i won't be deciding to move my body or my spine it'll move itself so when the kundalini is active these like swirling kriyas or exercises will just start occurring to me i won't be doing them the the energy itself is spinning and that's why they call it kundalini because um that means coiled and they liken it to a snake because, as we know, snakes coil themselves around the tree branch or as they're climbing a tree. Um, so it's this upward spinning motion, more or less, that that tends to happen in the spine um, right. and, and can happen well, in the, other other places as well. The fir- that's the first the first intro, right? Is up the spine, and then mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the opening. I feel like Kundalini is um, definitely snake-like. Reprograms our DNA. I think. I think it actually moves through our. Um, it feels helixical or mm-hmm. like like of a helix and uh the snake has a lot to do with shedding uh skin right so um kind of getting rid of what's no longer being used and i've had an experience actually where it entered my body and um uh, like in a group uh where there's a whole group of us that uh, ended up going into a choreographed dance and ceremony mm-hmm. uh where nobody was really in control of their body and uh it was only me and one other guy that really remembered it happening at all where everyone else was like literally just being puppeted um by something energy so i don't (laughs) want to i don't want to say that it's not that that the movement is against your will so but so for my example of the kundalini i can decide to stop my body yeah i can i can say oh I'm going to stop now and I will, but if I let go again, it'll start happening again. So yeah. it's this automatic, you know, and so in the example you gave where the people were dancing, it's not like they couldn't have decided to stand still. No, I feel like we were all there for it, bro. Like but, we were having a great time. We were yeah, open and ready exactly. and like we did the work to get there, you know, like we were like, yeah, what do you got for us? Like, this is fucking crazy. What's happening. Right. And Show I me. guess I'm just trying to impart to the listeners that, you know, with all of what you've expressed and the things that I'm 
sharing now is it's like these are states we can get into where energy starts to move in the body and we allow it and it becomes a beautiful uh, thing, uh, a very pleasurable thing, a very flowy. I like this feeling almost like a dance, very likened to a dance um, that, you know, is just an art form and it's almost like therapeutic as well. Um, That's how it feels to me. You know, yeah, like once you start to feel that energy moving and you're, you're feeling like also this level of non-stiffness because so many of us, and, and this was my story for sure, before all of this psychedelic exploration, spiritual exploration, I could not dance. I was not only not feeling it, like not feeling the vibration, but also I was uh, afraid of how I would look. I mm-hmm. felt as if people would judge me or I would look stupid. Uh, these types of things and then when i did learn to dance the dance danced me i had no say in it it was literally like how is this happening whoa like i don't (laughs) care what anyone is is thinking like in fact i really like how i look i really like the movements flowing through me i'm feeling free i'm feeling in ecstasy you know and since then i've loved it i've loved being able to flow um, energy through the body. And Absolutely. I feel like it's all connected, like everything, like with the Chi Masters and and um, what Matthew had taught you and with what his master showed you and with Kundalini and, you know, Shaktipat and all these things, are, they're all verging on the same idea of just like being open enough to really feel energy and, of course, being able to cultivate yourself to a place where you're able to uh share that with others as well yeah it doesn't take much to get there right like for people who are curious like okay well like if you want to have similar experiences it's like cool like just go show up places right like just be be open in yourself like maybe put in like a a minor amount of effort right like it doesn't require that much effort honestly Mm um i mean like my own story it's like i did a bunch of sitting that (laughs) it's like literally no effort you just sit there um and that's what helped my um awareness develop and my uh perception like open up a lot right um and then these experiences happened because i was just putting myself out there (laughs) just so i was trying to say you know um just to wrap things up a little bit you know a lot of this uh for people who are interested in any of this kind of stuff, right? The, my only really piece of advice would would be to be to be uncomfortable as possible, right? Like, make yourself uncomfortable, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, for me, that was a big part of my journey. Like a big part of this this time in my life, I was very uncomfortable. There was a lot of things I was doing to to generate discomfort because in that space, I know that's where we grow, and um, that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted that growth. I wanted the um, find out what more is going on and what i found out is there's more going on than i'll ever know um (laughs) but it's exciting it's really fun and um wow like the world is magic you know like i feel like a child again and uh the child me is super excited about the life that i live now um and that is really gratifying um and i wish that for everyone you know i wish for everyone that their inner child looks at what they're up to and is like hell yeah you know, go be a ninja, like go do, yeah, go like do cool stuff and, uh, go play with magic. And, um, right. You know, cause otherwise, wow, it's really depressing. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a mundane existence, you know, you know I mean? yeah. uh, with, without the magic. And I feel like that's just kind of milking this experience of being alive as much as possible. Um, 
kind of squeezing that rag. You know what I mean? That wet rag. <laughs> like, let's get every bit of juice go, out of this. Go and drink out of a human skull if that's what you need to do. You know, like whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever totally. it is. Absolutely. Well, dude, thank you so much, Forrest, for being here, for sharing the stories. Um, definitely enjoy it, and I look forward to more in the future and future hangs. So. Yeah, uh, really appreciate that. Is there any uh, social media handles, any websites, any things you want to shout out? Nah. No, okay. no, I don't really have anything uh, like that to shout out. I mean, I could, but I, but I, I'm good. I, I just say hey, I really appreciate you inviting me on here. I felt really honored and, you know, looking through some of the other podcasts and you, you know, like I didn't get to hear um, all of them, but just mm-hmm. like even reading all the titles, I was like, oh, shit, dude. Like, wow, mm-hmm. I feel so honored that you you felt like this was a. Absolutely. Hey, you know, um, things happen for a reason. I'm glad we met and I'm glad we were able to manifest this conversation. So yeah, definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see you soon, man. All right, brother.